0: Welcome to Today on Broadway for Tuesday, July 2nd, 2019. I'm Broadway World's Matt Tamanini.
1: And I'm arts and culture writer Ashley Steeves.
0: Uh, Ashley, we got an assist from our friend Seth Christianfeld on Twitter after our episode went up yesterday or, I guess, mm-hmm. Sunday night. He sent over the article explaining the connections between Ursula the Sea Witch and Divine the Drag queen. Yes. Is, is Was Divine a drag queen or what i was she i don't even know if they would have said trans at that point um i don't know a a ton Uh, about divine so this comes from hazlet.net we'll have a link in the show notes from nicole Pasolka and brian Ferre. great article long read kind of goes into all of the animation and the background of that uh really fascinating and uh, like i said to him on twitter like one i'm shocked that i didn't know that but there is a very real chance that i knew it and just forgot
1: yeah, it's fair. It's a very straight thing to forget, but...
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, I guess, I mean, yeah, you know. But
1: according to Stalker Channing, you're not homophobic. Thank you, so I, pre- I appreciate
0: thing. that, Stalker. So. Uh, <laughs> yeah, anyway, all right, so let's get on to the news, Ashley. We're going to start with the story of a new Broadway-bound Baby Boomer bio-musical, and this one belongs to Neil Diamond. The producers behind this new musical are Ken Davenport and Bob Gaudio, with Anthony McCartan, the screenwriter behind that piece of sterling Academy Award-winning brilliance Bohemian Rhapsody and the Theory of Everything, Uh, he will write the (laughs) book. Michael Mayer is going to direct. In a statement, Diamond, who last year retired from touring due to a diagnosis of Parkinson's disease, said, quote, I've always loved Broadway. The inspiration for many of my early songs came from shows like West Side Story, My Fair Lady, and Fiddler on the Roof. So it seems only fitting to bring my songs to the great white way. I'm honored and excited to be working with this great team. Now, actually, personally... I'm a little offended that my former Tell Me More guests, David Rossmer and Steve Rosen, who lovingly wrote Neil Diamond and his music into their show, The Other Josh Cohen, didn't at least get a call to write the book because uh, Neil Diamond has never been more lovingly portrayed on a stage as in The Other Josh Cohen.
1: There's still time, though.
0: <laughs> David, I think, is writing the Monopoly musical, which actually had a uh, workshop Ooh. or reading or something here recently. But anyway, producer Bob Gaudio, of course, is very familiar with the biomusical form as a member of the Four Seasons and a central character in Jersey Boys. Real life is better than real. The press release for the musical also said, quote, additional details will be announced shortly. Now, shortly is an interesting word. It is a nondescript measurement of temporal length. But I I think by using the word shortly, I think that that actually probably means sooner rather than later. Um, You never know with Ken Davenport, who has like a million different weird projects in the air uh, at the time. But what's also interesting to me is that Davenport is apparently producing this Neil Diamond musical and producing the musical of one of Diamond's rivals and contemporaries, Barry Manilow, with the show Harmony. So I don't really know what's That's going strange. on. There. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's a little weird.
1: shortly means while we can capitalize on how many bio musicals we have going simultaneously, I guess
0: yeah i mean again i mean if you're gonna do these fine i mean i guess neil diamond's great i just
1: i kind of wish they would just do what they're doing at the lunt fontan and do like <laughs> a chain of bio musicals all out of the same theater for x amount of time is better than
0: Uh, okay, so uh, let's move on to last week's Broadway grosses. Actually, the story of the grosses last week is in two shows that were new to the boards. The five-show residency of Regina Spector and the two previews of Moulin Rouge, much more so the latter than the former. Those two shows, despite the closing of Hillary and Clinton, were only able to keep the grosses about flat, dipping just 0.13%, coming in at $35,938,539. However, Regina Spectre pulled in $734,114 in just five performances, and Moulin Rouge did $618,889 in just two two performances averaged oh. out over eight performances Specter would have done 1.17 million and Moulin Rouge would have done two million four hundred seventy eight thousand five hundred and fifty six dollars um, that's probably more than I would have guessed for Regina Specter and mm-hmm. I don't know if Moulin Rouge can keep those numbers up Ashley but that's an incredible total obviously they kept those premium and can can seat prices up high for those first few previews but wow that's You're a lot of money slip.
1: It's very surprising. I know it's got a lot of buzz and it's, you know, another show that everyone knows the music to going in. I'm very happy for them. Like I said, I'm very excited to see the show. I should be going at the end of July, so I've got to wait as well.
0: (laughs) We will anxiously await your your review. Yeah. Of course, despite how much money that Moulin Rouge would have made if it had done a full eight performances at that total, it still would not actually have even been close to being the top earner of the week because Hamilton still grossed $3,210,888 and was followed by uh, The Lion King at $2.43 million, which actually would have put Moulin Rouge in second if they'd have averaged that over eight shows. From there, the rest of the grocers above seven figures were To Kill a Mockingbird, Wicked, Aladdin, Ain't Too Proud, Cursed Child, Hadestown, Frozen, Dear Evan Hansen, Tootsie, Mean Girls, Phantom, and The Book of Mormon. Of course, uh, on Sunday, Roundabout closed two shows, uh, Kiss Me Kate and All My Sons. Kiss Me Kate finished up 50 k at $828,224, while All My Sons dropped $46,000. Uh, dollars to come in at five hundred four eight hundred ninety dollars. Actually, I I forgot to mention one of the shows that is closing this coming week, and mm. and that is uh, the Ferryman is also closing on yes. on Sunday. One of those weird things where it announced an extension and then they just never announced a real closing Um we right. never really got an announcement. Just like hey, we're extending to July seventh, and then they never announced another extension or closing. But based off of how well it's been doing over the summer and post Tony's maybe they should have announced an extension because it picked up almost another $52,000 to come in at 915,823 bucks. That is by far its best total of the 2019 calendar year. The first time it's actually been up over, $900,000 since the year turned to 2019. So maybe some producers kicking themselves in the butt, maybe thinking they could have gone another month or two before closing up over at the Jacobs, but um, still pretty impressive for that show. And uh, I'm glad that so many people are getting to see it before it closes. Now down at the other end of the scale, Frankie and Johnny dipped even lower than it already was still at the bottom of the Broadway barrel as it came in at just $266,000, Ashley. And honestly, I would not be surprised if this one ended up calling it quits sooner rather than later. It's supposed to be on the boards mm-hmm. um, for another month or so, and I just, ooh, I don't know if it's going to make it.
1: Yeah, it, it's going to dip under forty percent capacity next week. I can't imagine we're that far off of a notice.
0: Yeah, it's at it's at twenty two point four percent of its gross potential, which mm. uh, is is pretty gnarly there. But speaking of which. Pretty Woman took another big hit, dropping over $74,000 to come in at just $528,552. I think that announcement could come at any point as well. It is still at about a two-thirds capacity, but its uh, percentage of gross potential is under 40% at this point, which is not good for a musical who really looks to have at least... 50 to 60% just to break even. So uh, those two shows are the only ones that I think are really on the bubble at this point. I think some of those long-running recouped shows that we've talked about in the past, Beautiful, Waitress, um, anything could happen with those. But since they've already recouped, as long as they're making their weekly nut, they could keep going for a while. But I wouldn't be surprised if either of those came at some point. But on immediate bubble watch, like any time after the fourth, I I could see Frankie and Johnny and Pretty Woman bidding Broadway, adieu do,
1: yeah, and I thought it was really not surprising, but still interesting, as far as be more chill had a really good week, uh, I think the largest capacity increase uh summers upon us, school's out. I really hope it finishes out its last few weeks strong, and King Kong, I think had the greatest drop in attendance percentage, so Got two shows with closing notices that are both banking on very successful summers going in completely different routes so far.
0: Yeah, you you, you talk about the increase of, of capacity for Be More Chill. It did go up almost 10%, but yeah. it still um, was under 57% of gross potential sure. and still didn't gross uh, $500,000, where King Kong did dip. Uh, almost 90 K, but it was still at almost 693 K. So while they might be moving in different directions, there is still quite a sizable gulf between them.
1: Mm.
0: All right. So um, while I kind of poo-pooed your be Be more chill parade, uh, I am going to mention them in my upcoming, I'm sorry, Um, my (laughs) recommendations here in a second, but one other thing I'm going to recommend before we get to be more chill um, is Everybody, if you don't have Broadway HD, get it. Because later this month, the West End production of Kinky Boots, starring Olivier winner Matt Henry and Olivier nominee Killian Donnelly, will begin streaming on the platform. Uh, They will start streaming two weeks from yesterday on Monday, July 15th. The other recommendation is the Be More Chill one. And it comes as part of my favorite or one of my favorite online video series, NPR's Mm -hmm. Tiny Desk Concert. NPR music editor Stephen Thompson, who's a part of Pop Culture Happy Hour, is an admitted Squip enthusiast, so I'm mm-hmm. sure that he was instrumental in bringing Joe Iconis, the show's band, and some cast members down to Washington, D.C. to perform in the NPR's office. They sang the Pants song, A Guy That I'd Kind of Be Into, Michael in the Bathroom, and Voices in My Head. Actually, I don't listen to a ton of popular music, although every year at the end of the year, I was like, hey, I'm going to get into popular music. I'm going to listen to the cool stuff. I think I can, uh, you know, I, I should do that. And and I don't. Uh, but what little I do know, I often learn about either from Stephen Thompson on Pop Culture Happy Hour or from Tiny Desk concerts. So to see a Broadway show in there is uh, is really, really cool.
1: Yeah, I love Tiny Desk so much. And Stephen, who runs it, had some really lovely things to say about the cast kind of just made my heart grow three sizes about them radiating kind exuberance and things like that but it is a great series i try and get to it as much as i can
0: for those of us that are in the theater community there's been a lot of people kicking be more chill while they've been down which is pretty much their entire broadway run and that makes me sad i i don't really know any i mean i know jen tepper a little bit but i don't really know Mm -hmm. anybody else um but i think this is the type of stuff that I'm glad they made the risk. I mean, it sucks for everybody who's going to lose money on it, but this, I think this very easily could have been one of those shows that came and became a huge hit. I think it was one of those, (laughs) you know, random things that if the cards were played a little slightly differently and the timing was a little differently, it could have been a hit. And I think Joe Iconis is definitely somebody who has the ability to be one of the, leading composers of the next generation of Broadway musical writers. And um, it, while I haven't seen Be More Chill, I, I, it still kind of makes me a little bit sad that so many people are taking glee in the failure of this show.
1: That's um, so much of it. I think there's a lot of glee being taken. and I'm, I'm not going to put words in people's mouths, but it feels like it's because of the demographic of the show
0: and
1: it, you know, doesn't fit into the archetype of what people are expecting on Broadway. And I think that's a good thing. I'm really happy for being more chill and grateful that it happened. I mean, as you said, timing is everything. I think at a different time, maybe a different opening month, it could have persevered. Uh, That fan base alone is so avid. It could have probably propelled it for ten years given the right circumstances, but these weren't it.
0: Yeah. Oh well hopefully we'll we'll see better from Broadway Bounty Hunter and whatever else. Joe Iconis yeah. is working on next, but all right, let's wrap up today's show with a bit of random news bits. First, our old friend and Ashley, a cabaret favorite, Andrew Kober, mm-hmm. will be joining the Broadway production of Beautiful as Don Kirshner from July 16th through September 3rd, while Paul Anthony Stewart, who is currently playing the role, leaves the production for a month and a half. I don't know. I wonder if he's working on something. Um, we'll have to, have to find that out. Um, Next up, yesterday, the world-famous Apollo Theater announced that writer and journalist Tanahasi Coates would be their inaugural artist-in-residence. Coates will begin his book tour for his latest work, The Water Dancer, at the theater in Harlem on September 23rd, which will be the first program of his three-year initiative. Now, Ashley, you are far more intellectual and well-read than I am, uh, but if someone hasn't read a book by Coates or his run as the writer behind the Black Panther comic books from Marvel— You really should, because there is a reason why he is one of the most respected voices in the arts, literary, pop culture, political communities, because he really, really is brilliant.
1: Yes, an important and remarkable writer. If you haven't read Between the World and Me, do so.
0: Yeah, awesome. Okay, and finally, yesterday, The Hollywood Reporter... Reported that Jacob Tremblay and Aquafina are in talks to join Melissa McCarthy in Disney's live action Little Mermaid movie. Tremblay would play Flounder, and Aquafina, who is also going to be a part of the prom film, will play Scuttle. Actually, not only is this the second musical that Aquafina has been announced to be a part of in the last few weeks, but in both, she has been announced to be playing a role originally created by a man.
1: See, there's that gender swapping we were talking about last <laughs> night. That I am not. I am completely fine with. Him
0: yeah. Fine. In this case. Yeah, I mean, who was it? Mickey Rooney is that who did the role originally? Uh, Buddy uh, Hackett. Buddy Hackett. Buddy Hackett. Yeah. yeah. He won't mind.
1: No, he'll be fine. <laughs> yeah, I don't hate either of the casting choices. It's obviously going to be a very different take. I, uh, in the musical, I think for Flounder, there's singing parts in that yeah. but I mean, Jacob in Tremblay, yeah oh yeah that's right uh jacob Tremblay is like 12 so they're yeah. not gonna be
0: he was looking the, for
1: anything too significant anyway
0: yeah he was the co-star in the film that earned brie larson her academy award room not to be confused <laughs> with the room which is a completely <laughs> different film
1: both remarkable films.
0: In their own very unique ways. <laughs> all right, thanks for listening to Today on Broadway. Follow us on Facebook and Twitter at Broadway Radio, and you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at BWW Matt. Ashley, where can people find you?
1: I am all over Twitter and Instagram at Know This Is Ashley.
0: As promised, we are going to be having some episodes later in the week that are not. Today on Broadway I am this close to nailing down a date To interview the one The only, the diva Robbie himself Uh, And not only that, Ashley When that interview happens We will have Breaking news An exclusive, a Broadway radio exclusive As to who Uh, some of his first guests at his 54 Below talk show will be. So stay tuned later in the week for that. Yeah, Hopefully tomorrow I will be able to tell you what day that interview will be coming, either on Thursday or Friday. But check back in with us tomorrow and have a great Tuesday, everybody. (laughs) Stop.